Welcome back to Point of Sale. Break down great retailers, their supply chains, and data, we will. Happy Star Wars Day, everyone. May the 4th be with you. Uh, I I had to do it. I couldn't let this day come by and not say a word about it. Uh, I'm sure everyone out there who's Star Wars fans uh, enjoys May the 4th as much as the rest of us. And I figured, why not make this an exciting video and actually talk about the retail history of Star Wars, which actually had huge implications on mass marketing as a whole, uh, how movies came out with their marketing and, and toy campaigns. And honestly, it's a huge value of what Star Wars is to the overall global community. And so let's start at the beginning uh, at uh, New Hope, shall we? Uh, when, when George Lucas was working on this film, he really wanted to make sure that he built a strong bond between the movies and the film goers and created a legacy like we see clearly today. And in order to do that, he knew that he would have to come up with a mass marketing plan that really centered around toys and various materials after the, the movie came out. So he partnered with Kenner, uh, which is a toy manufacturer, and came up with a, a huge line of, of action figures. Uh, and it's funny, I was actually talking to my mom who worked at toy stores during this time, and she was telling me that they were all the rage. And they they were very, very um, small unit sizes. So there's only so many Luke Skywalkers that would come in, so many different uh, characters. And it was, <laughs> we talk about the bloodbath. Uh, she said it was a bloodbath in the stores, quite literally. When Kenner started producing these toys, there just weren't enough of them. Uh, it was a huge problem. They ended up actually um, about six months in started producing empty boxes that basically had certificates or IOUs that said, you know, further down the line, you can come back to the store um, and use this coupon or use a certificate to actually get the toy. Um, so again, huge demand came out of that. Uh, seven months after the movie came out, those boxes came out and then almost a full year later, they're able to actually fulfill all of the orders and all of the demand that came from that movie. Now, uh, what's really interesting is clearly this is a huge, huge piece of the revenue that came in from the movie. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue actually came in from New Hope and they were actually used those uh, merchandise dollars to fund the next two movies. It was unheard of at the time. Um, especially when usually Hollywood, you have to go back, continue to find funders. Nope, not here. George Lucas was able to set up uh, this huge marketing campaign that would fuel the rest of the movies moving forward. Uh, we even saw as they were purchased by Disney, merch sales uh, from Disney went up 200% when they bought Lucas films. Uh, so it shows you the, the real immense power that Star Wars had as a whole. Uh, they actually continue those merch sales uh, were around to finance the digitalization of those first three movies when they're re-released in the 1990s as well. Um, so huge impact on a lot of the uh, the better quality film that we're seeing today. Uh, and overall, uh, just a huge you know, you look at even Lego Star Wars, right? Like that is a huge piece. I'm a huge fan of not just the Legos in general, but the video games as well. I know Juner <laughs> is a huge fan of Lego Star Wars. And 
Lego actually right away wasn't too keen on a relationship with Star Wars. Uh, Lucasfilms and a number of people that worked for Lucasfilms are huge Lego heads, let's call them. And in the late 1990s, they ended up pitching to Lego this partnership. Uh, And actually, Lego was against it at first. It was against their anti-violence stance. They're just starting to get into space as as Legos, um, and they just weren't enthused about the partnership. And then they came back and actually ended up pitching more of this like good versus evil type of uh, narrative. And about six months after negotiating licensing rights, uh, they actually formed their partnership in April of 1998. Uh, which is just huge. And clearly Lego itself has made huge, uh, huge gains off of that partnership as well. And they ended up repartnering, I think, in early 2010s. Now, I think what's really fascinating is the overall worth of Star Wars as a franchise. Uh, It comes out to actually $69.4 billion, 60%. 60% of that worth comes from merchandise sales alone at $42.3 billion. And that is not including video games or book sales along with that too. So it shows you just how powerful the retail industry can be towards even something like movies. Now, this beats out huge franchises that I'm sure you all know. Marvel, uh, they actually have about $25 billion in merch. Uh, Harry Potter, which I was kind of flabbergasted as a huge Harry Potter fan, only $9 billion in merch. But there are a few that actually outshine Star Wars. Uh, The first is kind of obvious when you think about it, Pokemon. Uh, They have about $83 billion in worth, and that's uh, actually $83 billion in merchandise sales. That's 75% of their overall worth. Hello Kitty has about $88 billion in merchandise sales. That's very close to 100% of the franchise's worth. Mickey Mouse and Friends comes out to about $82 billion. Same with Hello Kitty. About 100% of Mickey Mouse and Friends' uh, overall worth is from merchandise. And then Winnie the Pooh, which was, I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, but, I mean, a classic kicks toy, right? And that's about $80 billion worth uh, in merchandise sales. And almost 100% of their total worth comes from that as well. So, It's kind of interesting to take a fun day like today and figure out exactly how it compares to the overall um, supply chain and retail supply chain, if that. And I'm excited because not only are we going to talk about Star Wars today as much as we want, but I have some Star Wars fans that are joining us as well. Uh, S&D Technologies co-founders, Allie Hancock, the president, and Mike Rude, their CEO, are here to join us today, not just to talk about Star Wars, right, but to talk about their concept, Stock in Motion. How are you guys doing today? Oh, Can you hear us? There we go. I can hear Yes, there we go. Okay. We're doing great. How are you? I am doing good, right? It's a it's a nerdy day, so let's nerd out about freight, right? What what better to do than this? Um, so well, I would love for you before guys we to... do that, before yes. we do that, I have to challenge you because I sent you an email and I asked you a trivia. Yes, question. you do. There is a movie that the two main characters debate in Return of the Jedi whether the contractors on the Death Star were part of the Empire or innocent. Uh, Casualties of War. What movies? <laughs> I have... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. And, and this disappoints me I have, because you should be a huge fan of this direction. I know! It is a Kevin <laughs> Smith film. It's a Kevin Smith film. Does that help? It does, but I'm not going to get it. You're going to have to give it to me. There we go. I should, I should have just guessed that. <laughs> 
It's like the best Kevin Smith. Now, your homework is go back and watch Clerks and refresh on one of the greatest movies outside of the franchise Star Wars ever made. I love it. Let's just talk about, you know, back in motion can wait, right? (laughs) So I would would love if you guys could uh, explain where this idea came from and and really what is stock in motion and, and how is your company achieving this new type of inventory? Hey, Grace. Uh, first of all, thank you for having us and may the fourth be with you. Uh, so our company, SMB Technologies, which uh, stands for Simplicity and Velocity, has uh, created a new category of inventory called Stock in Motion. Uh, so our application will actually allow merchants to display and sell incoming inventory prior to arrival at fulfillment centers. So by utilizing the live tracking data, a merchant can associate that incoming stock to the shipment, and it will allow predictable and accurate delivery dates to the consumer. So the stock in motion application will also uh, simplify that inbound uh, inventory process for merchants while allowing consumers to purchase that stock that is actually in transit to a fulfillment center. So Think of mobile warehousing. Uh, Consumers can buy these products off of planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, So ultimately, Mike and I have the vision to make the term out of stock obsolete. And just to throw some numbers at you, um, according to the IHL group, uh, shoppers experience $984 billion worth of out of stocks and $144 billion is in North America alone. So as you can see, our application addresses a very serious and large problem in e-commerce today. And I'll, I'll, I'll let Mike talk about how we conceptualize the idea. Yeah, so conceptualization uh, in our former lives, uh, Allie was uh, a mentee of mine uh, for quite some time. And one of the things we were working on is the process of innovation, that it's not, if you think Albert Einstein, you think of Thomas Edison, Thomas Edison did not create a light bulb because he was bored. He solved a problem. The problem was that by lighting a lot of candles, there was a high incidence of burning houses down because there was an open (laughs) flame indoors. And that was a a problem to solve. What we did is we selected a problem in a a course of learning the process of of innovation outside of our current job and tackled the idea of out of stock and how we can uniquely solve the problem. And so it's really a process. And that's what innovation is a series of steps to uniquely solve a problem. And uh, it took us about 55 minutes and we had drawn this concept out uh, from uh, concept all the way through the high level technology uh, architecture and the rest is history. (laughs) Well, and for all of our audience you know, these are two FedEx gurus right here. So you live this problem day in and day out. And it's it's great that you're able to really figure out a way to, to bring a different solution to the table. I'm interested, how does this work with merchants? How does this, how does the technology integrate into their systems? Yeah, so I will uh, old nerd out for you for a second since it is yes. uh, Star Wars Day. <laughs> and uh, so what we've done is we've created a... Uh, a web platform integration, uh, starting with Shopify, soon to be followed by the other major web platforms. And the way a merchant would integrate this is going to the app store in uh, their platform. So we'll talk Shopify first. 
uh, once they go through the sign-up process, which is native to Shopify, they will uh, run a composer file that takes this SDK or software development kit, the core uh, application itself. And the best way to put it is to hook it into their store. And it works as an app that integrates with the rest of the Shopify experience, the products, the in- inventory, uh, order um, portals, everything within the application. Uh, so it's a relatively easy three to five minute process from uh, marketing uh, material to uh, go live. And of course, the uh, integration is not the only easy part. Using it from a merchant perspective is extremely simple and fully automated on the back end. That's awesome. Uh, Ali, could you dive into how this looks from the consumer side of things? You said you're looking to build this world which as a online shopper who could calm down on that, uh, a world with no uh, out of stock is just the world that I want to live in. How exactly does that, be? how is that represented to the consumer? What does that look like on our end? Yeah, so basically our application, Stock in Motion, uh, solves uh, this by providing consumers not only the estimated delivery date of the item that's in motion that they want to buy, but they also will be able to see live tracking of the inbound shipment from the supplier uh, to the fulfillment center. So just to throw some more stats your way, a recent study uh, found that 30% of consumers feel stockouts hurt their shopping experience. Uh, Some of 69% will choose a substitute item um, after a first stockout occurrence. But after experiencing three of them, 70% of shoppers will go to another brand entirely, which Typically, they never come back. So you and I are, and Mike too, we're all online shoppers, and it's it just paints for a very negative experience. Yeah, especially when you just don't know when it's going to come back in stock, right? That's the frustrating part is that that question of how long. And if I if I'm not being notified of how long I have to wait, then I am quickly going to try to find someone who is going to show me that information. So uh, I think this is a, a perfect way of of doing that. Uh, what type right. of feedback have you gotten so far from your testing, both from your the shippers and or the merchants and your uh, consumers? Yeah, so um, I would say the most important feedback we've received is that we are helping these merchants connect with their consumers on an emotional level. Uh, they love the visibility and transparency. Um, another thing is that we have found that the key to creating this new category is fulfilling mm-hmm. a need for desperate customers. So it's really the unknown that consumers do not like. Um, and when they spend all this time researching and not being able to buy a product at that time or not seeing an estimated delivery, it will cause for a negative experience, like I mentioned before. So most of the time they will leave and go to the competitor and never return. Um, and really, the e-commerce industry has been looking for a solution to this growing out-of-stock problem. And so far, what we have built has hit the mark plus some. Yeah, and recent re- uh, research shows that 38.8% of small businesses have experienced supply chain delays due to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And so, you know, that was in 2020. So this data is pre the surge we saw in the holiday season. Uh but really, an interesting thing that we found that's really going to help uh, merchants as we build more inbound inventory, inventory optimization uh, techniques that help them plan better, 70 to 90% of stockouts are caused by poor replenishment practices, 
with only 10 to 30 from uh, supplier shortages. Now, those numbers have shifted from this 2020 study a little bit more towards supplier shortages. But, however, it is really critical to know that there's a lot of the issues that are self-induced because small-medium customers don't have the expertise uh, for uh, inventory replenishment uh, in its uh, full capacity, like the larger retailers. So our plan is to make them like a, a large retailer and, and with automated solutions uh, on the back end. So, Well, and even thinking about a lot of the problems we're seeing right now with just finding space. I mean, I think it was Prolog just put out a report that close to 95% of all available warehouse space is leased currently and um, gaining upwards on that 90% close to 100. So um, what's nice is I think even smaller merchants are going to be able to rely on this stock in motion concept to continue to compete with some of those larger ones who have the ability to make those relationships when it comes to that space too. So there's so many different ways that this could help, not just clearly making sure that consumers are clicking and uh, adding stock or adding stuff to their carts and purchasing things, but a sustainable type of supply chain where that leasing space might not be available. Absolutely. Absolutely. We saw yeah. that at meeting with one of our fulfillment partners that uh, handles a lot of large items for merchants. And one that they spoke of was a merchant that over-ordered a ton of kayaks. And what does a lot of kayaks <laughs> do to a fulfillment center? It takes up a lot of space. So they were very intrigued by the idea of not only just-in-time inventory, but off-the-truck inventory to where they could study the velocity through our application and have a kayak come in put an outbound label on it and put it to outbound without ever receiving it uh, into storage stock, which will be a huge win for fulfillment centers who are struggling to find real estate. Definitely. For all of our listeners out there, I've got the pleasure of reporting on your um, February half a million dollar seed round led by Ridgeline Partners, the participation from some of our, our favorite people here at Freightwave Chicago Ventures, of course, and then, of course, uh, Gemma Candles. Uh, I'm excited to, to hear about what you've progressed on since that raise, and, and when can, as a consumer, can I get uh, a chance to start seeing these uh, stock-in-motion options within my own experience? Yeah, so uh, this uh, summer, we tend to be listed in uh, the Shopify store, followed quickly uh, late summer, early fall by uh, the first ones would be WooCommerce and BigCommerce. So once we do that, we're going to be able to scale this relatively quickly through digital marketing. Uh, and so we're hoping to have some level of scale by fall pre-peak uh, that you should start seeing this. And what we're asking consumers, and we're going to start doing a lot of marketing around this once we're out there, is demand from your merchant to have this experience so that you don't have to give up on that item you really want that's two days out. You just don't know it. And so we're going to provide that visibility, the uh, transparency, and uh, that level of uh, optimization to where consumers can start buying in much greater quantities uh, what they want, when they want it. And uh, so, yeah, I would say pre-peak, uh, get ready, because uh, you're going to see items in motion uh, uh, all over. And seeing Google Map of inbound inventory progress, uh, we're excited to bring this uh, to e-commerce. 
I love that. Well, you know what? It's, it's time for my favorite game on this show, which is what kind of consumer are you? Where I like to ask my guests some of the interesting consumer trends that we've experienced over the pandemic period and, and see if they're sticking or if they are, people are going back to normal. And I think for both of you, this should be fun, uh, especially one in particular we'll touch on in a second, I feel like is more female driven than male. But the first one is one of my favorites is, uh, do you prefer now buying groceries in store, continue to buy in store, or a more of an online have it delivered to my house type of person? Let's start with Allie. So for groceries specifically, I like to go in store to shop. That's just me. And plus, we have a, a new grocery store that just opened up downtown Memphis. So it's just a few blocks away. So uh, from time to time, I'll go and ride my bike or just walk over. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm the same yeah, way. That's- we, we both enjoy cooking. Yeah, so it, usually a cook likes to touch and feel, especially uh, perishable items. Yeah. I've done some staples and other stuff uh, online uh, from time to time uh, for sure. But, but perishables, meat, things like that fresh vegetables. Uh, and I go to the farmer's market every Saturday morning. I like to buy local uh, from our farms around right. here. Yeah. I think that produce is one where it's usually a hit or a miss. And uh, sometimes I tend to miss it more than others. This one in particular, I'm very interested in. I watch Mike actually does this and I'm, I'm just completely wrong. So <laughs> have you ever bracketed so bracketing is when you, let's say, you buy a clothing item online, but you're not sure if it'll fit right. So you buy one or two sizes, knowing that you're going to return the other one. Uh, Allie, have you ever bracketed purchase before? Yeah, actually, yesterday I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do it all the time. I, know. I do it all the time. Well, that's how she chose working with me. She bracketed me with like seven other people. And I just happened to make the time. So I was the only one not I have a 15 year old daughter so do I bracket yes but not for myself uh I've been oh, the same no. size since probably my junior year of high school uh my daughter however uh we just had a recent dance and I had the privilege of buying three dresses so that she could try <laughs> them on and take pictures post them and get all her friends to weigh in and uh, it gave me a headache. So, but yes, that occurs in my household, but from a 15 year old uh, is where it comes from. Yeah, it's uh, it is. It seems to be more of a female trend, and I think you know, right there, that's why reverse logistics is so big right now too. So, uh, well, this is right. You know what? Let's end with one more Star Wars question for each of you. If you had to pick a color lightsaber, what would it be? I know which one she. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> not just, red. It would be green. No, she is a red. State. I'm telling you, no. but no, we actually just got asked this. We were going to visit a beta customer in Mississippi. Ran and got coffee because we were early, and one of the guys in the store asked this exact <laughs> question. So it's pretty funny that you just asked. But you said green, right? Green, not red. Green. <laughs> it will turn red when she makes the the stone bleed. Trust me. Uh, I'm a purple. I like Mace Windu. I like the unique uh, nature, which I'm sure you've heard this. You know that when he agreed to to uh, star in the uh, in the uh, the last three or the second three, that he made George Lucas promise him. I'm not going to use Samuel Jackson words, but that he couldn't be uh, killed off like some punk bee. That he had to go out 
badass style. And that's why the day <laughs> said, no robots. I want to be killed, like, cool. And that's why it took two of them double teaming and framed it up. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. But that makes sense. Yeah. No, Samuel Jackson deserves better. So no, that's all. And he had a lot more <laughs> colorful language he used. So I had left that out for the younger audience. Well, thank you both for being here with us, right? Yeah. Thank you both for being with us today. Uh, I'll have to have you on again in the future. Maybe we'll make this a May the 4th reunion next year. And uh, uh, let's continue to stay in touch. And for our audience out there, thank you for tuning in to Point of Sale. I will talk to you all next week. Until then, keep on shopping. I'm going to go to the next one.